welcome back to Divine Life Dialogues. This is Reverend Dr. Autumn Renee Allen, and with me is Reverend... Michael Scott Allen, MD. Okay. Thanks for being here, and I'm sure you had lots of comments and questions about our introductory session of Divine Life uh, dialogues as we were making the distinction between the death march and the march to eternal life. And that's our focus, marching to eternal life. And so we hope that you will continue to stay with us and march in that direction as we get clearer and clearer in terms of our understanding of what that means. What all does that that walking the path to eternal life mean for us. So we talked about death and how um, death really is the source of all the illusions that we manifest in this world. And we believe the illusions because our body perception actually sees them. And until we start seeing with our inner vision, Christ vision, God vision, we don't see, we can't see the things that are not of this world, the things that are not part of the world's illusions. And one of the big distinctions uh, in A Course in Miracles, and of course the whole purpose Jesus, who is, is the spirit or the consciousness that gave this inner dictation to Helen Shuckman and Bill Thetford. Um, what, one of the big distinctions Jesus makes about A Course in Miracles is he wants to teach us to be miracle workers so that we can see eternal life, so we can experience eternal life. And he says the only way for us to do that is to change our thinking. And, you know, we have these terms, insane and sane, and we, you know, when, when somebody comes up with some idea that we think is crazy, we've decided they are insane. Well, Jesus is saying we're all insane, okay? The thinking of the world has guided us all to this insane type of thinking. And A Course in Miracles is actually the path to get our thinking in alignment with God, to get our thinking in alignment with God mind, to put our mind in alignment with God mind, with the mind of the Holy Spirit. And so we want to talk a little bit today about those distinctions between sane and insane thinking. And I know, Michael, you have a story to share with us. You, I'm sure you have lots of stories you can share with us about the very same concept. 
Well, the, the have, being one with the Christ mind and with the heart of Christ is the stepping stone to becoming one with God mind. And, and so that's why Jesus says, as the universal Christ, he says, no one comes into the Father except through me because it's just the physics of things. Become one with the Christ the and become one with the Father. I like that, yeah. So, and, and he says that the radical stuff he says is that there's only one Son of God and we, we are all one. Not only are we like we can become like Jesus, but we are one with Jesus. That's the reality. And what we're living here is a dream. And uh, That we're in separate yeah, bodies. Yeah, right. there's, a, there's a cosmic force of delusion that makes us think we're all separate. We have these separate egos and separate souls. The Hindus talk about that, don't yeah, they? Yeah, the cosmic force of delusion. And, but um, So everything follows from a mind. So if you're really a son of God, you're extremely powerful, but... If you do something on your own that's not part of God's will because you are mentally ill and think you're separate from God, then that's, they call it making something and it's not permanent. But anything that you co-create with God is eternal. And that's that's what the creation is, is when you're creating with God because the Son of God is one with God and has one will. But, so... Now, and, and all of these concepts may be controversial for you. Okay. It takes a while. It takes a while. No, no, it does. It does. It takes a while because you're when you when you bring the the insane mind to these concepts, literally in a course in miracles, Jesus takes us by the hand, step by step, and shows us how illogical these things are. So if you come from heaven where every everybody's eternal, nobody gets sick or dies. And it's said that ye are gods, are you not? And you come here, and these gods who are eternal are getting themselves sick and dying because of their beliefs. That's insanity. So that's the opposite perspective, you know, from, right, right. from God's kingdom, from Jesus' kingdom. That's, you know, everything seems insane here. So he came to the insane asylum 2,000 years ago to try, to, <laughs> try to bring some sanity to the world. But so that goes to mind-body medicine and the medical community and... So I've seen some examples of this all the time. I'm still reading x-rays, seeing people who have created these illusions of illness and sickness. But uh, one time I had a patient, she had hip pain and she was so overweight that the orthopedic surgeon said, can you stick a needle in her sacroiliac joint under CT guidance? So I go, okay. So, you know, we got her down there and stuck a needle in her left sacroiliac joint because she hadn't been able to walk for several decades. She was in such pain. She was and you know couldn't walk and so under ct guidance we got the needle in the sacroiliac joint put in marcaine and steroids depamedrol and so the orthopedic surgeon came and he said that the next morning she was up it was sunday morning and we did this on saturday so sunday morning she was up she was walking around she goes that's the first time i've walked in decades and you know she had a walker to help her but she said it feels great so she's walking up and down the hall in the morning and then that afternoon, she fell down and broke her left hip. <laughs> so the thing is, if, you know, I also do alternative medicine and integrative medicine. You always need to, always you need to address the mental component of any disease because you're mentally creating these diseases in your body. And unless you change your thoughts and beliefs that created it, that any kind of physical healing will just be temporary and you're going to recreate it. So she did it in less than 24 hours. She went back to, my left hip hurts, I can't walk. That's her belief. 
So she, ideally, you would have had her go through all the Louise Hay things first to change her thoughts and beliefs about her pain in her hip, and then you can inject the steroids or whatever. And you know, if she believes in that. That's the placebo that will make her feel better. But it's her, it's her change in her thoughts and beliefs that will create a permanent cure for that. And so that's what uh, the whole thing is about sickness and dying. It's our well, he talks about it in here. In the Manual for Teachers, chapter 5, there's where he talks about the shift in perception from insanity to sanity. And here's what he says. Healing must occur in exact proportion in which the valuelessness of sickness is recognized. One need but say, there is no gain at all to me for, in this, and he is healed. So if she were to say, there's no gain for me to have left hip pain and I can't walk, she would have been healed instantly. But to say this, one must first recognize certain facts. First, it is obvious that decisions are of the mind, not of the body. If sickness is a faulty problem-solving approach, it is a decision. And if it is a decision, it is the mind and not the body that makes it. Now, how, how resistant are we to that? The resistance to recognizing this is enormous because the existence of the world as we perceive it depends on the body being the decision-maker. Terms like instincts reflexes and like represent attempts to endow the body with non-mental motivators. Actually, such terms merely state or describe the problem. They do not answer it. The acceptance of sickness as a decision in the mind for a purpose for which it alone would use the body is the basis of healing. And this is so for healing in all forms. A, a patient decides that this is so and he recovers. If he decides against recovery, he will not be healed. Who is the physician? Only the mind of the patient himself. The outcome is what he decides that it is. Special agents, agents seem to be ministering to him, yet they but give form to his own choice. He chooses them to bring tangible form to his desires. They are not really needed at all. The patient can merely rise up without their aid and say, I have no use for this. There is no form of sickness that would not be cured at once. So that's the shift from insanity to sanity. And Jesus could see the truth of all those people around him. And if they accepted the truth, they could stand up and, and be gone. You know, their sickness, paralysis, whatever, with leprosy would all be gone. Because they shifted, they had a shift in their mind and their belief. I'm going to refer to what we talked about in our first podcast, okay? I read Lesson 253, okay, because you have to accept this. If you're going to, if you're going to be on the path to eternal life, you have to accept this. Myself, with the big S, meaning your God self, is the ruler of the universe, it is impossible that anything should come to me unbidden by me, myself. Even in this world, it is I who rule my destiny. You gave the classic example and the reasons why, how it works in this dimension. People, hear me. You are the ruler of your universe. What happens is what you desire. What does not occur is what you do not want to happen. This you must accept. (laughs) 
Okay, this here I'm, I'm when I was in medical school as a sophomore, I believe, or freshman, they told us about the placebo effect, and I was just blown away about how stupid all the patients were. I mean, that's the way I looked at it, but in fact, it was like maybe the physicians are the ones that are stupid. <laughs> yeah, <really>. because <laughs> yeah. Here's here's in the mindset of medical school is that drugs are real, but the placebo effect's not real. And so um, they said that, you know, if you give people a sugar pill, 30% of them will have complete relief of pain. And I'm thinking, how crazy. They've, they've made themselves sick by believing that there's something wrong with them. And then they take the sugar pill because they believe in it. Their belief makes the pain go away. So it's not the sugar pill, but it's their belief that changes. And then they go on, well, the drug, with the drug, 33% of people's pain goes away. Now think about that. So the physicians are all smug because this 33% of people get pain relief from the pill, from the prescription drug, you know. But if 30% get a relief from a sugar pill, then the 33% that get relief from the medicine, 90% of that relief is from the placebo effect. The placebo effect. Yeah, 3% more. Yeah. Right? 3% is the difference. So over 90% of the actual effect of the prescription drug is the, your belief that changes. And then there's a whole another deal about that, which I won't go into. About Okay, but it's important <laughs> for you to really get this. You really need to get this part. They can get a drug approved if it's just 1% better than placebo. Oh, really? And, yeah, and then, and then you, you want to, everybody wants to think it's 100% the drug, but it's 95% the your mind, your placebo effect that's causing Okay, well, I want to I share this part with you in the teacher's manual. How is healing accomplished? Okay? Okay. Healing involves an understanding of what the illusion of sickness is for. Okay, you've described the illusion so why, of sickness. Why are we, why are we making it Yeah, so sick, why right? are we doing it? Healing is impossible without this, without you knowing or understanding you know, what is for. The perceived purpose of sickness. Healing is accomplished the instant that the sufferer no longer sees any value in pain. Did you get that, people? Who would choose to suffer unless he thought it brought him something and something of value to him? He must think it is a small price to pay for something of greater worth. For sickness is an election, a decision. It's a choice of weakness in the mistaken conviction that it's strength. When this occurs, real strength is seen as a threat and health as a danger. Sickness is a method conceived in madness, insanity people, for placing God's son on his father's throne. Ooh. Say that again, Nelson. <laughs> yeah. Sickness is a method conceived in madness for placing God's son on God the father's throne. In other words, you're trying to usurp the power of the father. Oh, yeah. God is seen as outside, fierce and powerful, eager to keep all power for himself, 
Only by his death can he be conquered by his son. Now, that is the authority figure in your life. God created you. Okay, you got that? God created you. A lot of people don't want to admit that. And you have to accept that fact. And that's why we serve God. God. Yeah, we're, we're an extension of God, which is an extension of the truth, which is an extension of eternal love, extension of joy. And that's why he gave this information to the medical psychologist, because it's like, why would the Son of God be at war with God? You know, We're, we're rebelling from its own creator. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's another yeah. podcast episode. Okay, but let's stick with this idea of health and healing and our insanity around it. Now, we are literally living in a world of insanity right now around health and healing with the FDA um, having the appearance or supposed mission of protecting us from ourselves, right? I'm not going to comment. They're supposed to be protecting the consumers, but some people say they're protecting the drug companies and the big agricultural companies, you know. Mm -hmm. And we have, agricultural companies are still um, coming out with these things. They came out in the 50s where they said that um, Crisco and margarine, which have trans fats in them, were much healthier than butter, and that butter was causing all the heart attacks, butter was bad. And so they, everybody quit eating eggs and butter, and they started using Crisco and margarine. That's when all the heart disease really kicked in because trans fats were the most toxic worst fats there are and the scientists were just lying about stuff and they were getting the government people to go along with them well what is this new uh food pyramid have you heard about the new food pyramid what is it processed foods and processed foods and processed foods yeah yeah, yeah, exactly you know they're doing a pyramid that's probably it the pyramid of processed foods but I mean, where they're saying that, that uh, what is that, uh, that, it's a multicolored breakfast food cereal that's full of sugar and whatever is healthier for you than a steak. Well, again, it's the, um, there's a lot of uh, fake medical news and fake oh, research well. that's allowed to be published. Let's, yeah, anyway, okay. Um, but there's, if you want to read about there's this thing that says healthy whole grains, but is that the truth? And if you read a book by Dr. Perlmuter, who's a board-certified neurologist, it's called Grain Brain, it'll change your mind about if there's any such thing as healthy whole grains. The grains, especially wheat and gluten, and the GMO stuff is actually toxic to the brain and causes Alzheimer's and all kinds of neurodegenerative diseases and all kinds of other mental illnesses. So there's been people, if you just go off of grains, all those mental illnesses will go away. But so, thank you for bringing the conversation back to sanity versus sane thinking. So, you may be wondering, what is sane thinking? What is sane thinking? What is sane thinking? Sane perception. All learning involves attention at some level. And this 
A Course in Miracles is a mind training course. And what we're talking about here are the idea that there is a different way to think than the way you have than the way you are thinking now. Okay? So here is where Jesus is talking about the need for miracles because it's the miracle of your consciousness, for example, that influences my consciousness or your thinking influences my thinking, which helps me move to a logical perspective, shall we say, and arrive at a different way of seeing something. Now, does that make sense to you? Yes, because he says we're really just one mind. There's, there's just one Son of God that we're all one. Exactly. Okay. So, there are some principles for miracle workers that he talks about. He says in heaven that miracles are commonplace, for one thing. That is an everyday natural thing. And what is it that we call a miracle here? Well, supposedly, we think it's sort of supernatural, but it's really, whenever somebody has an atonement and they go from insane thinking to sane thinking, then the miracle happens because the form shifts. It's like a hologram. The thought shifts and the hologram out picturing changes. You know, it can happen in the twinkling of an eye, apparently. Well, without reading the 35 plus elements or characteristics of miracles, actually, it's like one of, one of them is 40 something. Well, the, the, I'm trying to get to. I the, can remember some of them. Oh, okay, go ahead. He says that the the supposed healer, you know, and and the person receiving the healing, are both taken out of time, into the timeless era where miracles happen. Because with God, there's no past or future. There's just the eternal now, and they're they're taken out of time where the 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 person receiving the miracle has, changes their thoughts or beliefs, and they're they're inserted back into this reality. And both the healer and the person being healed have are advanced, have a quantum leap in their spiritual consciousness. And so t instead of taking millions of years and thousands of lifetimes to become like Jesus, it, you, you make huge strides. And so that's one of the benefits of miracles. It gets the, the healer and the person being healed closer to being like Jesus, one with Jesus. And at the end of time, we're all going to be one, like Jesus, and there won't be any more use for time. But that's one of the pr principles. And another one is there's no order of miracles. So. Okay, that's where I'm going to, this is going to okay. start. The very first one, the first principle of miracles is that there is no order of difficulty among them. In other words, one is not harder or bigger than another, they're all the same. The second principle is... Because an illusion is an illusion. That's exactly right. So if you move a mountain, you're just moving the illusion. Exactly. 
Miracles in themselves do not matter. They are quite unimportant. Miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. The real miracle is the love that inspires them. In this sense, everything that comes from love is a miracle. All miracles mean life, and God is the giver of life. Miracles are habits and should be involuntary. Now think about that. Involuntary. There's no decision. You just do it. There's no conscious decision on your part. That's when, when you know that the love of God is flowing through you and you just do something because it's there to be done. And what did it say that again? That's all, that was... Miracles are habits and should be involuntary. Okay, that's like if you practice all the time. Like this is, you go through these exercises. Right. You yeah. practice, you, you can shoot baskets without thinking. You go, he's unconscious because he makes 10 in a row. He's not thinking about it. He's just been practicing and it just right. happens, you know. Miracles are natural. When they do not occur, something has gone wrong. See, this is this is the eternal life stuff we're talking about. So a little, about, a little insanity appears and something <laughs> goes wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Miracles are everyone's right, but purification is necessary first. It's purification of the thoughts. Miracles are a form of healing. They supply a lack and are performed by those who have more for those who have less. Miracles are a kind of exchange. Like all expressions of love, of love, which are always miraculous in the true sense, the exchange reverses physical laws. A miracle is a reversal of the physical order because it brings more love to the giver and the receiver. The use of miracles as spectacles to induce belief is wrong. They are really used for and by believers. A miracle is misunderstood when it is regarded as a spectacle. Well, that, the ego has a problem that with boy, that. The, that's right. That's I have right. some stories about that. Prayer. <laughs> uh, here's another, really, I mean, like there's 40 some of these, but I'm, I'm going to read just the, this last one. Prayer is the medium of miracles. Prayer is the natural communication between the created, that would be us, and the creator, God. Through prayer, love is received, and through miracles, love is expressed. Now, A Course in Miracles, again, is a course to change our thinking. And we want to invite you to join our class, wherein we are going to go through A Course in Miracles. And you can begin with the student workbook, or you can begin with the text material. But we will give you more information about that in the future, um, soon to be future. And with that, we will end today. And thank you again for being here, connected with us in the Spirit of God and love 
and peace, health, wealth, joy, wisdom, and eternal life.